0: Good morning, Hamilton Mills. So excited to be with you today. Hey, as we start, I want to start just like we did last week with a little bit of a poll. So I want to throw some things up on the screen, and I want you to vote how it makes you feel. Okay, you ready with me? Here we go. So when I say your birthday, how does that make you feel? Are you a I love it or a hate it person? Are you a hate it because you're like every year it comes, and I forget, and then it makes me feel Older. Raise your hand if you're a hated person, kind of person. Okay, a couple of you smattering. If, raise your hand. If you're a loved person, you're like, bring on the people. I love it. I love all this thing. Celebrate me. Bring on the phone parties. I am ready. Okay, majority of you are a loved kind of people. All right, this next one, let's see what this does. This next one is something that falls from our ceiling regularly when we drop the base during worship, and it's confetti, right? Are you a confetti kind of person where you absolutely will say it's too much, like it's too much of confetti? It creates a mess. I hate it. It follows me where I go. Or are you like a make it rain kind of person, like confetti if it's not a celebration without confetti? Raise your hand if you're too much. Team, too much. You're like, oh, I can't handle it. Oh, wow. Okay, okay. Raise your hand if you're a make it rain kind of person. Whoa, okay. That's kind of even there. I'm surprised. This next one goes along with confetti. But what do you think of when you hear the word parties? When you think of parties, are you like, nope, no stinking way. There's so many people in this room already as it is. Raise your hand if you're like, can't stand parties. Like you're nope. Okay, a couple of you. Raise your hand if you're like, bring on the people. Bring on the dance. Hey, let's go. Let's do the macaroon. No, just kidding. So, okay, so this room is filled with more party people. I'm impressed. One of people is like, double hands. Okay, now this last one. This last one has the potential to split the room pretty well, and this is really will tell me who's in this room today, and it's your house. How do you feel when I say the word your house? Are you like organized closet? Everything has to be in its prim and proper place. The couch has to have cushions that are fluffed and look pristine, even so much that you won't let anybody sit on it, or are you team make forts? Piles everywhere. If it's in its proper place, I don't know where it is, but I can tell you what pile that thing is in. Raise your hand if you're organized closet, you're like, everything's gotta be perfect in my house, organized closet, okay. Now raise your hand if your team making forwards, I gotta just have fun. A messy house is a fun house. Okay, I was right. That split the room evenly. I, so that's what we're talking about today, right? We're talking about in this series and refocus all about these emotions that well up inside of us during life. For example, if I were to say there's a surprise party happening for you at your house tonight, how do you react? Are you like, oh, I can't wait. Thanks for telling me. I'm going to act so surprised. Or are you like right now on your phone going, can I book a hotel so no one knows where I am? See, those are things that happen in our life. And there's different things that our emotions cause us to do. They can cause us to have experiences like feelings of joy and happiness. Or they can cause us to have feelings of worry, fear, doubt, anxiousness, and all those feelings can keep us from moving forward, right? So we're talking about how do we refocus off those emotions that keep us from moving forward. Last week, we talked about this specific fear, the very powerful, this specific emotion, the powerful emotion of fear. And we said we need to refocus our fear to courage. And the way we do that is by fixing our eyes on what is unseen. By fixing our eyes on what is unseen, that's our Heavenly Father. And if you remember, I stood on a ladder right here and I looked down. And if you're scared of heights, you know exactly what I was feeling. When you look down, you get frozen. You can't move. And we had to refocus off of what is seen, the ground, and the height we're on, up to our Heavenly Father. And that's what gives us faith, and that's what gives us courage. And we ended with this verse that really helped us move forward. And it's, when I'm afraid, I put my trust in you. When I'm afraid, I put my trust in you. And that's how you refocus off of fear to courage. Now, this week, I want to talk about an emotion that I feel like many of us don't get to experience enough. It's a good emotion, and it's an emotion that maybe you felt during the poll at the top, and it's the emotion of joy. Joy. What's joy? Joy is this, a feeling of great pleasure and happiness. It's this feeling we all love, right? So you know what brings me joy? Okay, let me tell you. Here's what brings me joy. Number one, bacon. Bacon. It's not a party without bacon. I love bacon. Hallelujah. I had to fit into this series somewhere. Number two, Marvel movies. I absolutely love Marvel movies. I got to clap for that one. Like Marvel movies. Oh man, we're so excited about Doctor Strange this week. But I love the, the, how they're connected and the, the, the suspense and how they all go together. Just so good. You know what else I love? What brings me absolute joy? Dad jokes. Yep. Dad jokes. Okay, you want to hear one? You ready? Why do dads bring an extra pair of socks when they go golfing? Oh, in case they get a hole in one, right? Ba-dum-tsh. How can that not bring you joy? How can that not? See what I mean? Just go Google it. All right. And finally, the last thing among many that brings me joy is my family. I love just seeing my kids grow up to become who I'm so proud of, who they're becoming. And they just bring me so much joy with spending time with my wife and my family. It's just great. What brings you joy? Is it being pe- with people you love? Is it experiences? Is it cleanliness, right? You're like, yes, and everything needs to be in order. Is it puppies? Whatever it is, like what brings you joy? Or maybe what brings you a deeper joy is what I should be asking. Maybe it's online. If you're listening, it's getting that big promotion. Maybe it's your kids growing up to become great people. Maybe it's finishing that degree finally, right? Or maybe if you're a parent, it's your kids saying mommy or daddy for the first time. That just brings people so much joy. So as I was preparing for this message, and I was thinking about what am I going to talk to, about today. Joy is a natural part of our lives. And when I found this statistic, it became the basis for my message and what I wanted to talk to you about this morning. Here's what it is. Did you know kids laugh 400 times per day? Would you agree with that? I mean, most kids are pretty joyful and they laugh 400 times, a lot of them laugh a lot more than that because they don't stop, right? And, but kids laugh 400 times a day. But here's what I want to focus on today. Adults only laugh 25 times a day. And when I saw that, I said, why? What happened? What caused us or what causes us to lose our joy? Our ability to laugh 400 times a day all the way down to, to 25 times a day. So I have a theory. You want to hear my theory? My theory: the reason that happens is because of an emotion that I want to talk about today. It's the emotion of disappointment. The emotion of disappointment. Our lives are filled with disappointment constantly. Right? Here's here's what uh, the definition of disappointment is: it's sadness or displeasure caused by the non-fulfillment of one hope, one's hopes or expectations. See, disappointment. It's our expectations not being met. Because. Things are great when our expectations are met, right? When I'm in control, when things are going my way, I'm happy, I'm excited, I love life. But what happens when disappointment hits and our expectations aren't met? We get frustrated, we get angry, we get annoyed. It could be as little as showing up to your vacation rental, and it's not quite like the pictures, you know what I'm saying? It's your spouse not reacting the way you hoped. It's not getting that promotion you've been trying to get. It's not your team winning or the election going the way you hoped. It's not throwing a, it's when your party that you threw isn't well attended. Or, or even, it's when the kids don't load the dishwasher correctly, right? And when that all happens, when you get disappointed and your expectations are met, what can happen? You kind of can be, I'm done, or I'm finished, or I can't move forward, like for me, when the bacon's done, I'm done, right? That's what happens. So I experienced this recently, um, and, I, and I felt so, such so severe disappointment at recently when we went on a cruise. Now, the cruise was amazing. Oh my gosh, did you know on a cruise it's unlimited food? Oh man, I ate an ungodly amount of dessert. It was glorious. I was praising God the whole time. But also that our family just had a great time. It was this last big trip before Colin, our oldest, goes to UGA because he's graduating, and we just... I thought they would want to go do their own thing most of the time. We all pretty much stayed together on a boat that was huge. It's like a floating city. And so when we're getting off this boat, we're talking about how, man, that was just one of the best vacations ever. And we ported in Miami. And so our kids are are big sneakerheads. And they're like, hey, dad, there's this shoe store here in Miami, on Miami Beach. Can we go before we leave? And I I was like, I'm kind of becoming a sneakerhead too. So I was like, oh, for you guys, absolutely. When I kind of really wanted to go. So we get in the car and it's right by the port. And we find the store, and then we start looking for parking. And I'm driving around, can't really find parking. So I'm like, you know what, I'll just drop you off. And I'll find parking so we don't waste time and you can have more time in the store. I drop them off and I keep driving, keep driving. Annie, my wife, calls me and she's like, are you okay? I'm like, I can't find parking. I'm so annoyed at this point. You know, so annoyed to the point where you start following people in your car. You're like, are you, are you getting okay, sorry, just kidding, just kidding, I start following them in my car. Eventually, blocks away, I find a parking spot. Takes me about 10 minutes to walk from where I am to the store. And when I get there, they're all sitting outside. And I was like, oh, they waited on me. They're like, no, we're done. Can we leave? I'm like, has it been that long? And I got so frustrated. And I walked back with them back to the car. And the whole time I'm complaining. I'm just annoyed. And I'm taking it out on my family. After a week of so much joy, within 10 minutes, my joy was gone. And I was so disappointed. But that's what happens when you focus on your lack of expectations, when you focus on being disappointed, right? And And that's the issue, is disappointment's a part of life. But when it becomes your sole focus, you get stuck. And you can't move past it. And you end up focusing everything about your life around this realm, around this view of disappointment. For example, you might be saying right now, my life is not where I thought it would be. You might be saying something like, I didn't think I'd still be single. You didn't say, you didn't think you'd still be in your this career or this part of your career. You didn't think that your 401k would still be this low, right? And the more you focus on it, day after day, moment after moment, year after year, what happens? You start pushing people away. You become more self-centered. You start breaking relationships. You become so stressed out that It becomes your sole focus that all your time is focused on this. So how do we move past disappointment? How do we refocus our disappointment to joy? How do we get to this point? So that's what I want to talk about for the rest of our time today. I want to talk about having a joy-filled life. What it looks like to refocus off of disappointment to the life that Jesus said that we need to have. A life that he gives that is full of joy. It's a fulfilling and rich and satisfying life. And to do that, I want to look at what James, the apostle, wrote. Now, if you know anything about James, he was the brother of Jesus. And anytime James is mentioned, I lean in. You know why? Because can you imagine being the brother of Jesus? Oh, that'd be terrible. If you have a sibling, you know what that's like. Can you imagine his parents going, James, can you just be more like Jesus who's perfect? Like who always honors their father and mother? James, can you please load the dishwasher like Jesus? It's always done correctly, right? But here's what happened. He ends up becoming a church leader and calling Jesus his Lord and Master. And what would it take to convince you for your brother to be the Savior of the world? Well, James obviously believed it, so it must be true. So he writes all about how to find joy amidst your disappointments. Here's what he writes. He says, consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters. I love how he starts this. Because the word consider, it means He wants you to think about it, what I'm about to say, to have joy through what I'm about to say. He wants you to uh, make a choice, to consider it. And then he says, pure joy. Consider what I'm about to tell you and have pure joy. Not a partial joy, but complete joy. See, partial joy is based on your circumstances. Partial joy is a reaction. Complete joy is despite your circumstances, and it's being proactive and choosing to have joy. He continues on, consider pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds. I'm sorry, James. You're telling me, you're telling the, the Christians back then that they're facing persecution, that are trials, that to have joy during those trials? I'm sorry, no, James. We, we know what trials bring, right? Trials do not bring joy. They bring the exact opposite of joy. They bring frustration, anger, annoyance, disappointment over and over and over. That's not what I sign up for. You know what a trial is, right? It's your expectations not being met. It's something happening in life that knocks you to the ground that you didn't see coming. For example, a trial would be your car breaking down and you being stuck on the side of the road. Your trial could be different types, like James says. It could be financial trials. So when a bill comes that you didn't expect, It could be a relationship trial where you and your spouse are just constantly going at each other and you don't know how to move forward. That's what a trial is. That's not joyful. That's not what I would say, um, James, you're talking about, right? But it is. It's exactly what he's talking about. See, he's saying joy is not dependent on your circumstances. Joy is not dependent on your pleasure. But the problem is many of us think joy is. That it's dependent on what happens to us. And we attribute our emotions to the events that happen in our life. But he's trying to tell us that joy is not something that happens to you. Joy is not something you hope to get. No, what he's saying is joy is a choice. Joy is a choice. It's something that you have to choose every single day. Because every day we can make a choice to either lean into our emotions To lean into our frustration, to lean into our anger, and then get stuck in our lives. Or we can choose to have joy despite our disappointment, despite our expectations not being met. Why? Here's why. He continues on. He says, because you know that the testing of your faith, because you, uh, sorry, consider pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Now, perseverance should be something we all want. Because perseverance is to, the ability to keep going when the going gets tough. Perseverance is what faith it's built on. It's going and going and going despite things not going your way. And he continues on. He says, let perseverance finish its work so that you may be able to be mature and complete, not lacking anything. See, when you choose joy, what James is trying to tell us is it's not focused on what's happening to you. Instead, you're focused on, on persevering through it. You're persevering on becoming stronger so you can be someone who's mature and complete. Not perfect, but mature and complete. What's mature and complete mean? Well, mature is someone who has complete joy. Complete joy knowing that whatever happens, it's gonna be okay. It's complete faith knowing that you're part of a bigger story, that what's happening to you in the moment, the pain you're experiencing, the trial you're experiencing, is not for anything. It's not for nothing, it's for something. It's for part of God's bigger story that your heavenly father has a plan for your life and, is, and wants you to have this life full of joy. And it's not because you something you can control, but it's something that he's in control. It's not because of your expectations not being met, but it's you being mature in your faith that you are trusting the one who exceeds your expectations, someone who is greater than your disappointments, someone who's greater than your frustrations, who loves you and is for you. And it's seeing that bigger picture. That's why you choose joy, so you can persevere and keep going and going. And then when you get out of it, you get stronger and you can face whatever comes next. See, a lot of times, if you're like me, when I'm in a trial, when I'm going through something, you know what I pray for, right? It's the same thing you pray for. God, get me out. I am tired of dealing with this. I don't want to deal with this anymore. Get me out. But you know what? you choose joy, your prayers start changing. And you start praying, God, get me through. God, help me get through this, not out of it. Why? Because then you develop a stronger, mature, complete faith. You're not an immature faith that responds to your circumstances, that responds to your lack of expectations being met. Instead, you are focused on the one who can exceed your expectations and loves you. And so you need to focus on choosing joy every single day. Because you know what joy is not, right? Joy is not doing this. Ooh. Oh, I want that. Oh, man. It's not saying, I can't believe she wore that. They went on that vacation. Ooh, their house is really nice, isn't it? It's not comparing and looking around to the people around you. See, so many times we're not mature and complete because we base our joy based on what everybody else is doing. And we compare ourselves to what everyone else is doing. And nothing destroys joy like comparison. See, it's hard to have joy when you're looking around and you're basing your joy based on someone else's calling. It's hard to have joy when you're looking around based on what you have compared to what other people are getting from God. And a lot of times that's what steals our joy. See, so many times you destroy your own joy when you compare your behind the scenes to someone else's highlight reel. And that's what we do. We think everything is great for them and it's terrible for us. But that's what comparison does because we start praying for more joy and then When we don't get it, we get frustrated because we're killing our joy because we're comparing our joy to someone else's calling, their purpose, their potential. And we steal our joy from our salvation that God has given us, from our marriage, from our relationships, from our career, from our children, because we're comparing ourselves to everyone around us. And we focus on the wrong thing. And that's why we live in a constant state of disappointment. That's why we only laugh 25 times a day instead of when we can laugh 400 times a day and more. See, what I want to explain to you is joy is a focus. It's not a feeling. And too many times we think joy is a feeling, right? Okay, there's a school of thought going on right now that is, drives me nuts. It's the thing that says if you're not visibly happy and bubbly, something is wrong with you. But that might not be your temperament. Some people would say it's mine. Some people would say I'm a joyful person. I don't know, maybe. Maybe I can talk about this a little bit. But for some of you, that might not be your temperament. You might not be always visibly happy or an optimist. That doesn't mean you can't have joy. In fact, sometimes you have a greater purpose of joy because you're a realist. You understand that I'm going to choose joy regardless of my circumstances. See, joy is a point of view. It's it's a point of view, not, not a feeling, it's a focus, it's a point of view, it's a perspective. It's a way of looking at things. And yet we make joy about us, we make joy about how we feel, about how we think things should be. The author of Hebrews, the way they explain joy fascinates me, it actually correlates directly with what James was trying to tell us. And the author of Hebrews explains how joy is a point of view this way. They say, they say, therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great, great cloud of witnesses. Now, when there's a therefore, if you've got to read scripture in context, when there's a therefore, you've got to find out what the therefore is. Therefore. The previous chapter in Hebrews 11, it's called the great hall of faith. And you've got to spend some time reading it. It won't it'll take you like five minutes. But it's just person after person after person of the joy they found by having faith in Jesus. It's such a great example of who we can be because they weren't perfect, but they chose joy every single moment. So the author of Hebrews is saying therefore because of those people, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. And this throw off everything that hinders, this is this is basically saying throw off anything that doesn't create joy in your life. Not Not something that brings you joy, but something you choose joy around, especially the sin that so easily entangles. Because sin is something you do that harms yourself or hurts others, which God does not find joy in. Now, remember, God doesn't look at you as disappointment. He sees joy when he looks at you. He is not angry with you. He loves you. But he, he gets frustrated when we don't step into our joy by sinning. And by choosing to harm ourselves or or hurt other people based on our words or our expectations. And so so the author is saying, throw off everything that hinders you and do this instead. This is how you choose joy. Let us run with perseverance. The race marked out for us. See, if you're a follower of Jesus in this room, you've got a plan that God has given you and that God has laid you on. And you need to follow that plan. And the only way you're going to step into that full life, that rich and satisfying life, is by choosing joy. And it's choosing joy by doing what the author says next, by fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith. See, when we focus on Jesus, we can choose joy because he's the OG of our faith. He's the originator. He's the author of our faith. He's the one who gives us joy that we can choose joy every single day. And then what the author says next blew me away. And it really cements this point of joy is a point of view. It's a perspective. Here's what they say next. Jesus, the pioneer and of our faith, for the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and he sat down at the right hand at the throne of God. When I read this, I said, hold on. Are you telling me that Jesus looked at the cross. Jesus looked at an instrument of torture where he suffocated, where he died, where before that he was wrongly accused and he was beaten, he was whipped and he was spit upon. He saw that as joy? Yeah, that's what the author is saying. You know right? why, right? When Jesus looked at the cross, he saw the pain that he's experienced, the trial he's about to face, the expectation, the lack of his expectation being met. As purpose, he saw it when he looked at that cross. He saw it as, as a purpose, and you know what that that purpose was—to free you, to free me, to free you online, of all our sin. The thing that separates us from having a relationship with our Heavenly Father. The thing that separates us from the ability to have complete and full joy. Jesus looked at the cross with joy so you can have joy for the rest of your life. So you can be freed from the penalty of sin and be separated from your Heavenly Father. Isn't that amazing? That that's what Jesus saw. That pain he saw as purpose. That's what purpose does. That's what gives you joy is when you see pain as purpose. Let me illustrate this. It's the difference between... A 90-pound kid jumping on my back and getting a bar, lifting it with 90-pound weights on it, right? One of them I prepare for, and when I lift it, it makes me stronger. The other one knocks me to the ground because I don't see it coming. Which one helps me keep going? It's the one where I see the pain as purpose. See, Jesus had joy set before him, which allowed his pain to have purpose, which allowed him to keep going, which allowed him to persevere, which allowed him to have faith that in the end, it was worth it. That's what James is trying to tell us. That's what the author of Hebrews is trying to tell us, that Jesus focused on the joy set before him. And so should we, because joy is is a perspective. Joy is a focus. Okay, pause real quick. Can I geek out on you for a second? Like I wasn't going to do this, but I need to do this because it was so cool. When I was doing research for this message, I found out something super incredible based on this verse. So the author of Hebrews does, t- talks about these two things. Our race that's marked out for us, which I mentioned, and the joy set before him, which is Jesus' view. Okay, here's where I geek out. These two statements are actually the same Greek word, the same word in the original language. Here it is. It's this word, prokemai. Prokemai. Say it with me, prokemai. I didn't know you could speak Greek. Okay, good job. Prokemai, here's what it means: to be placed before the eyes, to lie in sight. Jesus' joy, he had joy because he focused on the purpose that the joy would bring, that the pain would bring, and that was all that gave him ultimate joy. Our life marked out before us, what we have set before us is what's gonna be our joy. What that means is what is set before you is what your joy is connected to. What you're focusing on, what you are completely putting in front of you, what you're looking around at is what your joy is going to be connected to you. So let me ask you this. What is currently your focus? What is currently set before you? Is it something that's allowing you to choose joy? Or it is something that's bringing pain, disappointment that you can't get past? Maybe what's set before you is the fact that either you're not in a relationship or your relationships are hurting you. Or you're so focused on pleasing that person that you're so disappointed all the time. Maybe it's you want more influence and your joy is set based on the influence in front of you or the influence you hope to have and you just keep achieving and achieving. Maybe it could be, dis- it could be um, comfort and pleasure. You're just accumulating more things and your, your joy is set based on what, that's what's before you, is that you want to be more comfortable. Or maybe... what's set before you is safety and you're so stuck and you can't move forward and accomplish what you want to accomplish because you don't feel safe all the time and it's stealing from you and it's robbing from you over and over and over. What is currently set before you because what is set before you is what your joy is connected to. And I think when you realize that, when you name it and you see what you're disappointed about constantly, when you choose joy at that moment, you'll focus on something different. You'll focus on your Heavenly Father who loves you and has a bigger plan for your life and wants you to move forward. So I want to reframe the definition of joy. I know we talked about it at the beginning, but I kind of want to reframe what joy is based on what Rick Warren, the author of the book Purpose Driven Life, says. He says this, joy is the settled assurance that God is in control of all the details of my life. It's the quiet confidence That ultimately, everything is going to be all right. And the determined choice to praise God. When? In every situation. Exactly. See, that's what joy is. It's even though you're in, you're in control, your faith is in the one who holds complete control. Has a plan for your life. And loves you. And wants what's best for you. So that you can bring him glory. So today, what I want you to do is choose joy. Choose joy every single day. Because then it produces something deeper in you. See, when you choose joy, it produces something deeper. A deeper joy than what someone else has posted. A deeper joy than your bank account. A deeper joy than your situation. A deeper joy than what you're feeling right now. And you're going to say, I am setting before me joy because of what Jesus has done for me. And now my joy, it flows from a different place completely. And because of that, we can experience the fullness of joy that only Jesus gives and that only his presence can give. That's what David said in Psalm. He says, you make known to me the path of life. And this is what I want us to hold on to today as we leave. In your presence, there is fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. That statement, in your presence is the fullness of joy, is something that if you hold on to, it'll help you choose joy every single day. Kind of like my friend Jenny. Annie and I, uh, we have a friend back in Tampa named Jenny. And a couple of years ago, if you saw her, you would describe her as active, mom of three kids, strong. But she started feeling some pain. And so she goes to the doctor and she ends up getting a life-altering diagnosis. A life, a, a diagnosis that's causing her body to kind of deteriorate. It's not what she would have planned. It's not what she expected. It's not what her family expected. And every day her, excuse me, and her life is now filled with hospital visits, with IVs, and di- tests after tests to see how the um, disease is progressing. But despite that, she chooses Joy. Because every day, she still shows up to her kids' games and cheers them on. She still tries to get in a kayak and explore new places. She sends texts to my wife asking how we're doing. When my wife's like, no, 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 how are you doing? But she's more concerned about us than she is about herself. Annie, my wife, she says she gives the best hugs. Because she just holds. Because it might be the last time she gets a hug from her. And when you talk to Jenny, she'll say... I, choose, I have to choose joy every day and I have to spend time with Jesus because in his presence there is fullness of joy every single day. So instead of her looking around, instead of us looking around and comparing ourselves to our circumstances and what other people have, we need to look up and focus on the only one who gives us not partial joy, complete joy. And then, and then you'll have the ability to have joy and chaos. Then you'll have the ability to have a peace that makes no sense. So that when you're disappointed, when you're frustrated, when you're comparing, when your expectations aren't met, you'll tell yourself, that's not where my joy comes from. I choose joy because my eyes are fixed on the author and perfecter of my faith. And that's Jesus.